<laughs> well, Pastor Tim is out of town tonight. Um, he is uh, uh, visiting with another ministry tonight, um, and so you got me. Sorry about that. <laughs> Lord's good. Amen? Amen. Well, turn to Malachi 3. Anybody ever heard Malachi 3 preached come offering time? Oh, yeah. If, uh, if you need an envelope, the ushers will serve you. So uh, I'll go ahead and let them do that. Malachi 3, verse 6. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. You know that very thing right there, I change not. That's a good thing to know about God. Amen? Amen. You know, if he done it yesterday, he does it today. If he did it for someone else, he does it for me. Amen? He doesn't change. Um, you know, it's funny. One time, one of the boys in the youth group told me, he said, uh, he was pretty young at that time, but he said, I don't like change. He said, I just kind of like for everything to be the same way. I said, really? He was like, yeah. And I was like, well, you know, the Bible says that God doesn't change. I am the Lord God, I change not. Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass away. Amen? So we know that God doesn't change. And I told him, I said, it's interesting that you would say that because God's that way. The only problem is, is if you want to be more like God, you're going to have to get used to change. Amen? Because whether we like it or not, we're all in a relationship with someone who's perfect And so the only way for us to stay in that relationship is for us to change. Amen? But you know, you can bank on God. He doesn't change. So if what he says here was what he said then, it's what he would say today. Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. They were kind of a sassy bunch. Throughout this whole book, every time he corrects something, they're like, when did we do that? Amen. So I'm assuming most people in this room are parents. How many of you enjoy your kids saying, when? Tell me, when did I do that? Everybody enjoy the other children? You know? Sometimes I think real literal about God, and I'm like, hmm. I know what my mom would have done when I said that. And that's usually how he deals with me, too. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. You know, there's only two places in the Word where it says that the Lord either did or He will open the windows of heaven. You know the other, the other reference to where the Lord says He would open the windows or it says He opened the windows of heaven? It's when He flooded the earth in Noah's day. <laughs> Amen? And if you actually study that and read that out, um, 
in order for the earth to flood just over the tallest mountain that we know of in this world, in order for it to flood over that mountain in 40 days, it would have to be a rain that's 40 times greater than the heaviest rainfall ever recorded to date. So the Lord says, if you're honorable in your giving, I'll open up the windows of heaven and I'll pour out a blessing on you that's greater than anything ever recorded. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> ah, that's good stuff. Mr. Darren, that'll get you messed up. Amen. He says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. I've ministered that a lot of times. One time Lisa and I were having some financial things we were working through and I was doing my best. I was rebuking the devil. One day the Lord was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm supposed to. He's like, what did I say? So I read it and I saw it. Oh, you'll rebuke the devil. Amen. So I just said, I just did what the angel Michael did. James in the account of angel Michael says, um, whenever he was uh, contending with the devil over the body of Moses, says that the angel Michael said, um, the Lord rebuked thee. And so I just told the devil, I said, the Lord rebukes you over my finances. That's done. I'm a giver. Amen? Amen. I know I'm just kind of walking through this, but it's... It's a good thing sometimes just to walk through. So God never changes, amen? We shouldn't be sassy givers. We ought to be glad givers, amen? If we'll bring all the tithes into the storehouse, he'll pour out a blessing on us like it's never been recorded. And he will rebuke the devourer on our behalf. And he shall not destroy the fruits of our ground, neither shall our vine cast forth her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Amen? Amen. If you ushers want to come forward, try to keep my mic out of my beard. Amen. Lord's good. Amen. (laughs) Father, we thank you tonight, God, Lord, for this opportunity to give and to sow into the kingdom. Father, I thank you that there is meat in your storehouse. Father, that things can be done, things can be accomplished. And so we give you glory, Lord. We thank you, God, that this is a wonderful time to be on the earth and a wonderful time to sow into the kingdom. And so we know that, Lord, from the time we sow, you've got it all through the growing process, and then we can reap. And we give you the glory for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys didn't get harassed version that I do at the youth group. (laughs) Well, you know, when I shake the bucket in their face and tell them to get a job. (laughs) Some of them are like, I'm 13. I don't care. (laughs) Kingdom needs you. (laughs) Anyway, so, (laughs) amen. Amen. Well, John 11 Whenever I got the, the phone call uh, about ministering tonight, I, uh, in my heart I thought, well, what I already had prepared isn't, 
isn't going to work. I knew immediately, and so um, I didn't have a lot of time to prepare. Let's put it that way. Amen. But Brother Hagin used to say, a message isn't preached at its best until it's been preached 50 times. So, amen? So, we're going to preach this one again. I probably haven't preached it over here, but... John 11, verse 1, and we'll read for a little bit. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus, of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, and that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Isn't it funny? The disciples were like, well, if you're not feeling well, sleep's a good thing, you know? (laughs) Isn't it? Isn't that what we do a lot of times when we don't feel well in our body? We sleep. We rest. We let our body rest. Amen? And they're like, he'll, do what, he'll, be, he'll get better if he's getting some rest. So Jesus says, Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, Unto his, disciples, unto his fellows, fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. The last time I ministered this, the Lord did give me some utterance here. And <laughs> I think that one of the kids actually titled the sermon this. And I said, don't be a drama queen like Thomas. Amen? You know, life is going to have challenges. And Lazarus had a challenge here. His sisters had a challenge. And Thomas is making it about him. It's amazing to me how dramatic people can be. You know what I mean? My sister's cousins, whatever, something's going on in their life, and we're bawling about it. And I think, that's not compassion. And compassion is what I want to administer tonight, but this is not compassion. This is fake. This is fake compassion. This Thomas thinks this makes him look compassionate. Let us go and die too. That's foolishness. Amen? A lot of people are really dramatic. And I actually, I think I called Thomas a drama king. So, 
Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she had heard that she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto unto the grave to weep there. Again, here's drama. I'm going to be real honest. We do live in a society that is very, very, very dramatic. I mean, if you get on Facebook, it says, how, what, are you, what are you thinking? How are you feeling? What does it say? Amen? Does anybody know what it says? Does it ask you your mood? Yeah? The kids can always tell me. What's on your mind? There we go. What's on your mind? Well, what's on your mind may be the last thing the devil told you that was a lie. That's not safe. Amen? I mean, this social media thing is, is out of control. <laughs> Just so everybody knows it. I mean, it has its place. It's nice to communicate with people who are a long distance away. But getting on there every time you have a different wave of emotion is dangerous ground. And it's really ridiculous. Amen? And it, I mean, I don't have Facebook because two people in my life that I thought a lot of, two of them I had served in ministry with, said things about other ministers that I found to be very challenging. And I thought, wow, I like these two guys a whole lot, and I don't want to think about them what I'm currently thinking about them. Best thing for me to do is delete Facebook. That way I don't get all their thoughts. Amen? So you got Thomas being a drama king, and you got all these people that came to mourn with Martha and Mary. You know, Martha and Mary were the closest to Lazarus. So if anyone had a right to mourn, it's Martha and Mary. But other people that came to support them didn't need to support them in their pity. They needed to strengthen them. They needed to build them up. And instead, when they see Mary leave, they chase her out of there to go cry with her. Drama was in effect in this day and age, too. You just couldn't type it and send it to the whole world. Amen. I'm really trying to do a better job tonight. Than, but, uh, and if you're an avid uh, Facebooker, and I'm sorry, 
Um, but I would encourage you, <laughs> you know, if you want to tell somebody how you feel, tell the Lord Jesus. Because everybody that sees that on Facebook is going to have some opinions for you, and they're going to come across as caring. They don't care. If they cared, they wouldn't do it over Facebook. <laughs> they just want everybody to know they feel sorry for you. Because it's false compassion. It's not real. But this is. Amen? Now, it says, Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Verse 36 says, Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Here's the thing. Jesus did not weep over Lazarus. Their very assumption of him being him weeping over Lazarus, they're in the flesh. Their assumption is wrong. Why did Jesus weep? Martha and Mary. Amen? Jesus knew he was the resurrection and the life. Jesus knew what he was going to do for Lazarus. He told the disciples before he ever went. Jesus was not upset because Lazarus was dead. He proved that in the scriptures before that. Amen? Why did Jesus weep? Unbelief. And because of the despair that Martha and Mary were in. He had compassion. Here's the thing. <laughs> I heard a man say years ago, he said... One thing you should know about heaven, there isn't anybody there who doesn't want to be there. There's nobody there against their will. And you never read an account of someone who's went to heaven and then been sent back that was like, I got there and I said, I just want to go back to the earth. They're always like, I don't want to go back. I want to be here. I want to stay. Amen? So do we think that possibly Lazarus was in heaven telling the father, or he'd be in Abraham's bosom. So let's say this. Do you think he was in Abraham's bosom saying, I want to go back to the earth? No, he was not at all. But your sisters, they're fine. They're with Jesus. They'll be cool. Don't send me back. Amen? Amen? Why would Jesus bring Lazarus back if Lazarus was in a better place? His compassion for Martha and Mary. I wonder who the primary breadwinner was of those three siblings. Lazarus. Jesus' compassion, he wept because he saw Martha and Mary in despair. Amen? Amen? Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh through the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. 
Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Is her unbel- her, the, the state of mind that she was in caused her to not want the last thing she knew about her brother to be a stench. Jesus recognized that unbelief. What if you don't bring him back? Jesus isn't bothered by him stinking. Amen? (laughs) He knew what he was going to do. He knew what he was going to do the whole time. Compassion is a funny thing. Amen? Jesus moved with compassion and he heals. Jesus is moved with compassion and he feeds. Amen? Smith Wigglesworth said, compassion plus faith equals miracles. And I heard, um, I actually heard Brother Keith Moore say that he heard another minister tell this story about the Lord asking him to look out and tell him what he saw. Some of you may have heard him tell this story. But the minister was in, I think, a big city. And he said, I see buildings. I see planes. I see cars. I see buses. And the Lord asked the gentleman, would you like to know what I see? And the gentleman said, yes. And the Lord said, I see people on the buses. I see people on the planes. I see people in the buildings. I see people in the cars. Amen? The Lord sees people. The Lord has compassion on people. The Lord is all about people. Amen? And the amazing thing is, and Brother Moore went on to say, he said, I've seen ministers trying to get somewhere to minister and be rude to someone. So why be rude to people to minister to people? Makes no sense. That's not compassion. That's a job. Amen? Compassion for mankind, the God kind of compassion for mankind, causes you to see them the way God does. Amen? And you don't, you don't let yourself get dramatic when it's time for you to hold the line of faith. The best friend I made in high school... Um, probably five or six years after we graduated, had a, a vehicle wreck in Texas and was killed. And he and I were together pretty much every day our junior and senior year. We were really good friends. And about three days before he left to, went on, left to go to that job, he was at my business, and we, you know, he'd come, and I was changing oil in his work truck, and he was... Taken off. And about four days later, I got a phone call. He was dead. He had two younger brothers, which I knew really well because of my relationship with him. His mom and his dad actually owned a furniture store that my junior and senior year, I, I worked during the school year for them, hauling furniture with this friend. So it's pretty close to the whole family. Well, his mom called, and she said, I know Robert would want you to do the funeral. <laughs> And, you know, I said, of course I will. But as soon as I hung up the phone, I looked at Lisa and I said, I don't want to do that funeral. (laughs) 
I said, I'm going to go to the funeral home. I'm going to put my hands on him. He's going to get out of that casket. He's too young. Amen? Well, I went to the funeral home, and I opened the casket. He didn't get up. But every time I put my hand on him, I just didn't. You know what I mean? And so three days later, the Lord tells me nothing about what to minister at this funeral. Nothing. I'm begging him. Tell me something. There's going to be all these people there that I went to school with. Tell me something. I got nothing. You know? Finally, I told the Lord, sitting in the parking lot, Lord, I just want to be like them. I just want to cry. I don't want to do this funeral. I just want to, I just want to be like the rest of them and cry that he's dead. And the Lord said, I didn't make you to cry for this time. I made you to preach at this time. You can cry later. And it was that plain and it was that simple. And he said, you will go minister the word because that's what I created you to do. So Lisa and I walked across there. I still had nothing. I'm in a suit. I got my Bible under my arm. I look like a preacher. I got nothing. And there's people bawling everywhere. Amen? And as soon as things got started, the Lord started speaking to my heart. And the compassion of God started coming out of my heart. And then I was happy. Because I knew that the Lord Jesus was the resurrection and the life. I knew it was what he was in my life. And I had discussed it with this friend numerous times. Amen? I wasn't the Lord Jesus. I couldn't do at that time what the Lord Jesus did. Amen? But the compassion of God came upon me for those people standing there mourning, especially his family. And the Lord gave me things to say to his family that you could tell. Brought peace. Amen? And I thought, if I had got caught up in my want to mourn, they would have got nothing. I'm not tooting my own horn. I was very angry <laughs> that I was having to do that, just to be very honest. That was a really good friend of mine. Amen? I didn't want to preach his funeral. I didn't want him to be dead. Amen? But the time for people was right there, and it was for me to do. Jesus is looking at my, my mic just went there. Came back. He's got compassion for Martha and Mary. Amen? He didn't weep over Lazarus. <laughs> no drama. If you've got drama going on in your life, it will be messing with your compassion. Drama get, causes you to get your eyes on yourself and off other people. What, did, what does it say that the Lord, it says the Lord turned Job's captivity when he what? Prayed for his friends. Job was a drama king. Go back and read it. He's a crybaby. Amen? As soon as he got his eyes off of himself and got them on to other people, changed. Amen? I don't like my circumstance. 
Well, that's okay. There's other people in your life that probably don't like their circumstance too. If you'll pray for them. Luke 7. It's funny. Seemingly to me, you would think that compassion would be, for the most part, one of those things you would minister and it would be like a really happy thing. (laughs) But to me, you know, it is a happy thing. When you have compassion for God's people, there is no greater call in this life than to love people. Amen? Amen? It's funny, but the word minister, where it's translated minister so many places in the word, it, 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 I mean, it's the same word as the word slave. You know, well, I'm people, I'm, I'm, I'm a minister. Well, you're a slave. You're a slave to what you're called to do. Their minister sounds really big and haughty. Slave sounds not so haughty. <laughs> Amen? So every time you're thinking, wow, I got this to do. I'm a slave. I'm a slave to the call of God. Amen? Luke 7 and verse 11. Well, it, yeah, verse 11. It says, and it came to pass the day after, this is Jesus, that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him. Now, here's the thing. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus were close to the Lord Jesus. Amen? They were friends of the Lord Jesus. Right? They knew things, knew the word, like the disciples knew the word. I mean, Martha said the word, the very same thing that Peter said. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen? But now he's in a city. And many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier, which is the coffin. And they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. (laughs) Why did he raise the son? Because he had compassion on mama. (laughs) He does. Amen. He has compassion on mom. Why? Because that's her only son, and she's a widow. You know that's her main source of income. Amen? Jesus, concerning the the death of John the Baptist, he said there's never been a greater born of, of, of of a woman than John the Baptist. Right? That was Jesus' account of John the Baptist. And it says that when he was told about John the Baptist's death, that him and the disciples, he told the disciples, let's kind of, you know, pull back to a desert place. You know, if the person that was the, the, the forerunner to your ministry and had done an excellent job, 
and they had been wrongfully imprisoned and then beheaded, you would have a problem with that. Now, throw in there, they're your cousin. Amen? That wouldn't sit well with you, would it? No, you'd have a problem with it. The Lord Jesus pulls back, and it says that him and the disciples went to a desert place. But it says that the multitudes followed him. And when he saw the multitudes, it says he had compassion on the multitudes, and he healed them. He ministered to them, and then he fed them. And I, every time I read that, I think, isn't it amazing? The Lord Jesus took himself and put himself on the back burner and ministered to the people. He was hurting. The greatest ever born of a woman is dead wrongfully. He's my cousin. <laughs> Without his ministry, I couldn't have come. I want to mourn. But he didn't. He didn't. Because there were people there that needed what he had, and he had compassion. Amen? No drama. Amen. Hallelujah. And this, this story right here is absolutely one of my favorites. Weep not. Don't you know that mama was like, I don't know you. <laughs> don't tell me not to weep. This is my only, this is, this is my pride and joy right here. Right here. You want me to stop crying? Are you crazy? Amen. But is it, uh, was it Jairus' daughter that it says that the people were mourning and weeping and playing music? I mean, people will get so caught up in drama that they turn on what? Music. And it's a good old sad one. Amen? And they feed that. And they feed it and they feed it. And they'll even act like they have a right to. Lord Jesus shows up and he's like, all of you, get out. Amen? Mom, Dad, you can stay. Peter, James, John, you can come in. Everybody else stay out. <laughs> Amen? Sometimes you got to turn it off. Sometimes you got to push it out. Sometimes you got to get rid of it. You may not want to, but you have to. Amen? Sometimes when you're in the middle of something, you've got to prefer other people over yourself. Why? Because that's your way out. If the Lord deals with your heart about helping somebody, ministering to somebody, just loving on somebody, do it. Amen? Seeing to his people allows him to see to you. Amen? <laughs> Amen. You know, the Lord has been um, so very good in so many ways. Um, you know, how many of you remember reading, um, and I, I know we talked about him a lot, but, um, you know, I mean, he was like a, just a big reference to ministry stuff. But how many of you remember Brother Hagin talking about a woman that the, um, or there was a gentleman that had kind of done him wrong, um, and the Lord told him to wallpaper his house. <laughs> the man was building a home. And it was ministerial ethics that was 
very much at question. And this gentleman had done Brother Hagin pretty wrong. And the Lord said, he's building a house, wallpaper his house. And so he did. And I believe it was the wallpaper in the house story. But later, sometime later, like a year later, sometime down the road, he went and laid his hands on a person that was terminally ill. And he said, while driving home, and it, there was two different, there was one that he gave another person money, and it was, it was going to break him. But the Lord told him, if you hadn't given money, and you hadn't wallpapered that other person's house, love, compassion on those people, if you hadn't done those things, I couldn't have used you to work those miracles. Do you remember, everybody else remember, remember those stories? And every time I read them, I believe, I believe he goes over both of those accounts in, in his book, Love the Way to Victory. Um, you just, you read it and you think, how, how much day-to-day am I overlooking that if I was catching, the Lord would be able to work mighty things in my life? We really are kind of a, a desensitized generation on the face of the earth. And I even, I've even said it, you know, um, Personal growth uh, spiritually for a Christian is a, is a big deal. I mean, we want people to get saved. We want people to get filled with the Spirit, and we want them to grow up spiritually. That's really the three things that we're trying to accomplish here on the face of the earth right now. Amen? Get them saved. Get them filled. Grow them up. But sometimes I'm kind of surprised. Somewhere between the getting saved and getting filled and then the growing up, all of a sudden, we become so caught up in the growing up process that we forget about the getting others saved and filled. And I am talking about myself. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's like, Lord, I don't, I don't know if I can stop and do that. I don't know if I have time. And he's like, well, somebody had time for you. <laughs> you know? Somebody stopped and took the time for you, bud. Amen? The compassion of God. And it takes, some, it takes some real being sensitive. I mean, nobody likes to be cut off in traffic, isn't that right? Is there anybody who thoroughly enjoys being cut off in traffic and then being told you're number one? No. Nobody does. Right? So what do you do? <laughs> when I was younger, people that had bumper stickers that told me how to drive usually got tailgated. Because I would think, well, how I drive is my business. Right? That's what I thought in my own head. So that's what I acted out in my body. Well, they're making my driving their business. That's not their right. Well, it doesn't matter. If I tailgate them, and then they pull over somewhere, and I pull in, and I look at them, and I got on a Christian T-shirt. That's bad. And most of the time, I have on a Christian T-shirt. I actually had the Lord tell me one time, you're going to act like that. Go change your shirt. Amen? I don't want people thinking you're one of mine if you're going to act like that. Again, parents in the room, anybody ever felt that way? <laughs> Change your last name. You're not my kid. 
<laughs> Amen? You understand what I'm saying? But the compassion of God will cause us not. It'll cause us to think further out than we've ever thought before. It'll cause us to get a vision for the things God's doing. Some things take time to materialize. But in, in our growing up spiritually, we can't forget the passion that was in us as a young believer that wanted to see people saved. We can't forget about how exciting it was when we got filled. Amen? Because that forgetting. I mean, if you read the accounts of the Apostle Paul, every time they put him on trial, he told him his testimony. I've said that a lot of times, but he told him his testimony. He's like, I'm doing this because. Amen? And we don't realize, I mean, we don't think about the things that the Apostle Paul went through to be the minister that he was. Doesn't it say that the jailer took him to his house and cleaned his wounds? So that I could have the word. The apostle Paul was looking way down the road. And he was looking at you and I. Because the compassion of God was all over him. Amen. Amen. I wrote down some other references here. Matthew 14, 14. I'm used to preaching until 8.30, but pastor told me I couldn't. <laughs> Matthew 14, 14, it says, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Compassion of God comes up in you. Somebody's sick. Compassion of God comes up in your heart. It doesn't have to be a big grab them by the head and shake their hair kind of a prayer. Hey, can I pray for you? Amen? I mean, are we really living this stuff out or not? Are we, you know, I, I know myself, the Lord challenges me to be like, you know, you say it. To the point, like here, here a few months ago, he said to me, he said, you're never going to have the results of laying your hands on people and seeing them recover from terminal illnesses unless you lay your hands on people with terminal illnesses. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Son, if you want those things happening in your life and you want those things going on, you're going to have to do the thing. You're going to have to put your hands on them. You're going to have to ask them, can I pray for you? You're going to have to step out there. Because odds are, they're overwhelmed by what they're dealing with. They're not going to run you down and say, hey, I think you're one of those faith people. Would you pray for me? Amen? And I was like, so, you know, <laughs> uh, I asked a three-year-old the other day, can I pray for you? She's like, nope. Well, since she carries the same last name, I was like, it ain't your call, get over here. Right? 
Her ear was hurting. I didn't want her ear to hurt. Lord Jesus didn't want her ear to hurt. But I could have sat there and been like, well, she went to the doctor. They gave her some medicine. Or I can pray. Why is that so hard? Why is that so challenging to my flesh to pray for a three-year-old? Right? And why didn't I just grab her by the dome and say, Uncle Lance is going to pray for you. Stand still. Instead, I asked. And she's like, nope. And then I was like, well, fine. You only pray for you alone. She's three. It's not her fault. So I told her, you don't have a say in it. I'm going to pray for you. The Lord Jesus is going to heal you. You are going to feel better. (laughs) Right? The compassion of God will cause you to look way over your insecurities or your fears and start doing some things that you wouldn't necessarily do. Matthew 20. Verse 29, it says, And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I should do unto you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. He had what on them? Compassion. Every place that we've read tonight, you see where the compassion of God caused things to happen. And I do think, I do think, You know, um, even in the church, we're just, we're so fast-paced today. Amen? And we're so busy, and we got so much going on that we really turn into me and my needs. And sometimes, as we're growing spiritually, we start to get into this, okay, so I can believe God for this, and I can believe God for that, and I can believe God for this, and, and that, and this, and that. And we forget that we can trust God for a lot of these things and believe him to use us for the work of the ministry. Isn't that that what the perfecting of the saints is for, is the work of the ministry? I know that in myself, the Lord has dealt with my compassion. Amen? I, I said a long time ago, I think it was over here one night, but I said something to the effect of, you take a person that's very vile, very rude, very mean, very angry, and they got a little house dog for one reason or another, and that house dog loves them. There's something good in them. Or that little dog would hate them. Because I can promise you, you kick a dog enough times, he's a biter. And he remembers the person that bit him or that kicked him. So there's a good place in that person. (laughs) They're worth our time. Amen? They're worth our time. They're worth the church's time. They're worth the bride of Christ's time. If they were worth Jesus' time, they're worth our time. Yes, we are a busy society, but they are worth our time. Because really... 
I want to stand before the Lord and Him say, I'm glad you did that. I'm glad you did it. Even though you didn't see the benefit of it right then, I'm glad you did that. I'm glad you stepped out there. Stepping out and trusting God and stepping into stuff, sometimes you'll think, that backfired so awful. Lord, I was just trying to do what you would want me to do, and that person now hates my guts. Who, Miss Lord, was that you telling me the other night about someone at work that you have a heart for, and they had, they had a, a tattoo on their arm, is that right? And you thought maybe it was Christian-related? Okay. Oh, yeah. So instead of his tattoo being about the second coming and how excited he was about that, instead his tattoo was about everybody's going to die in real soon. So Miss Laura, as she's, you know, reading his tattoo, <laughs> um, starts to try to talk to him about the things of God, and boom, he pipes up, and he's like, hey, we don't think nothing alike. Isn't that what he said? Yeah, and he was pretty cross about it. There you go. Love is greater than anger. Love is greater than hate. The compassion of God is greater than sickness. It's greater than a person's problems. But if, if, if he responds like that and Miss Laura turns into a drama queen and she's like, how dare you talk to me? I was just trying to be nice to you. I was just trying to show you the love of God. Are you crazy? You know, he's going to go the other way. Instead, Miss Laura can be like, hey, we probably got more in common than you think. Amen? Both have a need for a Savior. It's a good place to start. Amen? I tell the youth group all the time, if there are people in your life that are not saved, you are the most important person in their life. I don't care who their parents are, who their friend, you are the most important person in their life because you know Jesus. And if you don't recognize that you are the most important person in the people's lives that you deal with that are not saved, then you don't know enough about you yet. You should know you. You're important. You're important to the kingdom. You're important to the kingdom work. You can affect change in people's lives if you'll keep your eyes open and your spiritual ears alert. When the Lord says, tell them that's a nice shirt. You'd be like, that's the most ugly shirt I've ever seen in my life. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be caught in my casket in that. You know? Hey, that's a nice shirt. Amen? Get something started. Get something rolling. Whenever I was in junior high, of course, you know, there's all that pressure to, you know, be popular and stuff like that and, I never did like the kids I went to school with because they were so immature. And, uh, you know, I was young, the young with the baby in the family. And so I didn't really fit in. So my mom, between my sixth and my seventh grade year, I told her, I was like, hey, I'm kind of sick of this not being popular thing. What do I do about that? And she said, son, have you ever seen yourself at school? And I was like, no, don't. Have that ability, Mom. She's like, when you're at home, you're happy. 
Well, I hated school. I mean, I really did. It was just a drag. But when I was at home, I was happy. I was on the farm. My big brothers were there. My mom and dad, everything's great. She said, kids you go to school with don't know you like your daddy and your brothers know you. When you go to school, and this is her exact word, she said, when you walk in the schoolhouse, you turn into a thundercloud. And she said, I wouldn't want to hang out with you either. She said, you got a big old scowl on your face. You're never happy. And I was like, school is a drag. That's the worst place ever created. I don't want to go there. I don't want to be there. It's a waste of time. If you want to have friends, son, you better put a smile on your face. Proverbs says, a man who has friends has shown himself friendly. Amen? So my seventh grade year, I painted the biggest, cheesiest smile on my face I could muster. And by the time my seventh grade year was over, I was the most popular kid in my school. Not just my class, my school. And I was like, she was right. So for the rest of my school career, I had a ball. I had a big smile on my face. I was happy. Then I got saved. (laughs) I was even happier. That was real. Amen? And I couldn't understand, why do the worst kids in school want to talk to me? In business today, we have people come in our business, and some of them are rough. I mean rough. And they really like me, and they follow me around. And I'm like, you know what's amazing? If pastor shows up at the shop, the filthiest mouth customer I have comes in right behind him. And I'm like, it happens every time. It's every time. And my dad will stand over to the side where only I can see him and laugh at me because he knows it's just driving me bonkers. And this person is my best friend. You know what I mean? They're right on my hip. And I'm like, I don't even know these people, Pastor, you know. But I would think to myself, isn't that amazing? God wants me to be really nice to that guy, even though everything he's saying is embarrassing me. I don't want to stand with Pastor Tim while someone uses filthy language. That's just truth. Does anybody in here want to do that? No. One time a person walked off and I told Pastor, I was like, I'm sorry. He's like, you don't think I've heard stuff like that before? I'm a big boy. I was like, okay. (laughs) Right? But I have to love those people regardless. And it gets easier all the time because I find I really want to. Amen? Are you compassionate about people? Do you have compassion? There's no real God results without the compassion of God working through you. Amen? And I didn't mean for tonight to be like a downer. I just meant for it to be more like a, I believe a church with a heart can see people saved. I believe a church with an agenda just have an agenda. Amen? I really want to see people saved. I really want to see them come to Christ. I really like it when they get spirit-filled, a whole bunch. Amen? Jesus had compassion on mankind so much that if you read it, whenever he commissioned the 12, it was talking about his compassion, and then it talks about him calling the 12. 
So Jesus' compassion drove him to recreate himself into more. The next time, whenever he commissioned the 70, says the same thing. His compassion is mentioned, and then he commissions the 70 and sends them out. Every time Jesus got a big waft of compassion, he taught other people how to do what he was doing. Amen? Because Jesus wants to get as many saved as he can get saved. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you tonight, God, Lord, for this time. We thank you for your word. Father, I thank you that you showed compassion on me and everyone in this room. And so, Father God, I pray and I ask, Lord, that opportunities to be compassionate, caring, loving, just like the Lord Jesus, that we recognize those times, that we become sensitive to those opportunities and that we take them. And that we not think about the repercussion or or the, the oddity of it. But instead, Father, that we respond to it. And we see the same results that the Lord Jesus did because of compassion. We give you the glory and the praise, Father, in all things. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Well, 817. Amen. Lord loves you. Amen? It's good to be part of a church family. Hallelujah. I want more. Amen? I even love Fran. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. You're dismissed tonight. This message has been brought to you by Faith Builders Family Church. To learn more, please visit our website, www.faithbuilderschurch.net. Thank you.